Hi, Steve Arnberg here, and welcome to the New Life Live podcast. We hope to provide help and hope in your life through God's Word, counselors, and psychologists as we answer questions from listeners who call with the challenges of life. Let's go to today's episode. Hello, everybody. I am so glad that you joined us. We are going to be taking your calls for a couple of hours today, 1-800-229-3000. And by us, it's going to be me, Mark Cameron, and Dr. Alice Benton. And we are so grateful that you guys have joined us today. I know, Alice, you have a busy practice, a busy life. um, But I also know you have a lot on your mind that you want to share with people. So let's start with you. What would you like us to know today that we don't already know? Well, I really was pondering this idea over the weekend, Becky, about the right balance of neediness. I I grew up in a culture and a family where self-sufficiency is idolized and hard work. We do it on our own. And if you ask us how we're doing, the answer is fine with a smile. We're fine. And it took me a long time to learn that 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 doesn't work for very long. And becoming needy at the right level allows God and other people to come in and help us. We can also default to the other extreme, which is being overly dependent on other people, not picking up our own responsibility. But neither end works well, and neither neither side of that extreme is God's design for us. So there's a, a very motivating verse that goes with this, that Second Corinthians 9, 8, that God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. But it mm-hmm. takes admitting I'm needy mm-hmm. and then allowing that help to come in from God and other people. That is powerful. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because um, people who grow up with an avoidant attachment style tend to think that not having needs is the 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 best way to live your life but Mm. um when we try and live our lives that way um we isolate ourselves and we really need community um when we get to heaven it's all god's people together Mm -hmm. it's it's not everybody individually and so yeah finding that right level of neediness because we all have different gifts that God's given us to share. And that's his design here on earth is that we help support one another with the different gifts and talents that we have. And so we have to be able to say when we have needs to allow other people in to help us. I frequently hear from from clients and we hear it on the radio as well. I don't want to be a burden to anybody. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to admit that I'm sad, angry, that I need help and support. I don't want to be a burden. But we are to be a holy burden to each other to help bear those burdens together. Mm-hmm. Well, and that comes well, don't from... you think... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, don't you think sometimes that what we determine is neediness, somebody else may say to that need, hey, I felt that way too. And I think a lot of times, the mm-hmm. you know, having to overcome our own resistance to be vulnerable to somebody, to share the need, uh, you know, it just, it, I think that's a real big challenge. Well, and that's what I was going to say. If if we really look into it, we'll see a, a, a lot of that expectation and teaching is conditioned in us from our childhoods mm-hmm. when we tend to think that mm-hmm. way. We typically had a parent who required us to grow up very quickly, um, or we were put in a situation, maybe a single parent uh, a situation where uh, we had to provide for ourselves and get our own needs met. And so that's what we used to. We have to learn to go from I'm fine being the answer to I'm anxious, I'm grumpy, Mm -hmm. I'm nervous. Would you pray for me? Would you give me a hug? And that actually is better for our families, for the people around us. 
And, you know, it's a good practice for us as well just to get to know ourselves inside <laughs> because a lot of times we can't even identify, oh, that's anxiety that I'm feeling or right. that's that's frustration that I'm feeling. It is, it's all of those things, but uh, we can help you. We are going to take calls for a couple of hours today, 1-800-229-3000. You know, we want to hear how you feel inside, mm-hmm. just like you're talking about. We all have needs. We recognize that. And we also know it's not as bad as you may be thinking in your head. And I mean, even in the most terrible situations, there's always hope. And we want to point you in that direction. We'll be right back after this. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. As I said before, we are here for you for the next couple of hours. Alice Benton and Mark Cameron and myself, we love to hear from you and we want you to call us 1-800-229-3000. And we're going to go right to the calls. We're going to talk with John, who's calling us from New York and watches us on YouTube. Hey, John, I'm so glad you called. How can we help you today? Um, I, I have some questions I need some help with. Um, I'll go into a little detail about myself. I'm uh, two years sober, and uh, I used to suffer from anxiety and depression, and I used to take medication. But I haven't taken any for about two years. Now, over the weekend, my grandson, he, he's 14, his name's Bobby. He ran away from home, and um, they found him about five hours later. He's, he's safe. Um, the reason he ran away from home because he was uh, ashamed. He told uh, his parents that uh, he's gay. So he plays sports. He gets straight A's. You know, he's not flamboyant he doesn't paint his fingernails or anything so this was a total shock to me and my wife and uh i'm really struggling with it uh, my anxiety is through the roof so i, I just like your opinion on um things <laughs> i don't know what to do <laughs> yeah it's tough it's tough so what's the best question I mean, you just don't know what to do, how to connect with him, your your adult um, son or daughter. We have a we have a close relationship, um, but I, I guess I just have a I'm struggling because this is such a just a shock. Um, I I don't know really what my question is. I, I'm afraid That's to go right. back. Um, I'm afraid that uh, my nerves might get the best of me, and mm-hmm. I don't want to go back on anxiety medication or anything. What's the best way to show my support and love him, and mm-hmm. and how do I get like over the initial shock? John, it's understandable that this has really shaken you, and you're worried about perhaps lapsing, relapsing back into overuse of medication. Um, so I, I respect that you're cautiously trying to figure out what to do. You're figuring out how to respond versus being reactive in your anxiety and perhaps regretting what you say or do later. 
And as you said, two years sobriety, was that particularly about maybe benzos, medication for anxiety? Was there something else you were struggling with substance use wise? Um, I was um, an alcoholic and tried to, my anxiety and depression was so bad, I tried to use alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, it was a bad situation, but I'm over that and um, I, I just don't want to, you know, go back into all the medication mm-hmm. I was on. And are you still in structured recovery groups or coaching, counseling? Um, yes, uh, actually I, uh, run my own online recovery group <laughs> and, um, it, it's just, it's frustrating. I mean, I'm supposed to be the one with all the answers and I don't have any answers. <laughs> uh, and, and as you've wondered how to respond to Bobby, have you had any contact with him since he ran away and what did you tell him if you have? Yeah, I uh, talked to him on the phone a little bit last night, and uh, he seems happy, Um, and he's doing good. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, um, I'm just in total shock, and and Mm. I don't know. You know, I sit at the table and cry sometimes. Well, I, I think for you, John, is just accept that you are in shock. Um, and shock actually is the first stage of grief. Um, anytime we have a loss, uh, we go through the stages of grief. And for you, I think this is a loss in terms of what you pictured your grandson um, to be at in his life. Or, or maybe you're anticipating a loss of, you know, the, you know, the life that you were picturing for him. So I would say to you, the first step is just accept that that you're in shock. Um, it's it, it's typical to um, be surprised about um, news that is surprising, and and so just kind of accept that you're in that stage. I think what I would say for you, for your grandson is that um, many kids, especially at the beginning of their teenage years, um, they go through something called neural pruning where their brain starts to get rid of information that it thinks it doesn't need to start to take in uh, new information. And at this time, they do tend to struggle with um, the question of who am I and where do I fit in? Uh, Eric Erickson is a very famous... uh, psychiatrist, um, he uh, identified this, he identified stages of development, and the stage of development he identified for teenagers is identity versus role confusion. And so a lot of teens at this time, they go through a mini identity crisis where they're trying to figure out who am I, where do I fit into society, where do I fit into my family? And so many of them can tend to think that, you know, the feelings that I have right now because my body is also changing at the same time, maybe they're intertwined with that. And so what I would say for for your response to Bobby, I mean, he ran away because he was afraid. And so his emotional need really is safety, security, and acceptance. And, and so my response for you to Bobby would be to give him that acceptance, to let him know, hey, I love you. And... Um, you know, it, you know, your sexuality is not going to change how I feel about you. 
um, and I want you to feel like you you can come to me and that I'm a safe person for you to share with me what you're thinking and what you're feeling and if you need help talking through things I'm going to be there for you and so that's what I would say is probably a good response to give to Bobby so that he can know that you're a safe person in his life who accepts him um, regardless of what changes are happening inside of him well and along that same line John I wonder do you have people that you can process this with you mentioned that you're leading groups and you've been doing recovery but that may also be so helpful in this time. Do you have anybody like that? Um, I'm not quite sure. We we uh, have a group that um, we just talk basically about addiction and sobriety and stuff like that. Uh, nothing about sexual orientation ever came up in, in the group. Um, well, my suggestion is more along the lines of talking about your feelings as opposed to the topic itself. Because I think a lot of times that's where we can get stuck is that it has to be about the thing as opposed to just expressing how you're feeling and kind of getting your equilibrium a little bit. Um, I don't know, Mark, Alice, what do you think about that idea? It goes back to what we started with, with neediness, that now is Mm. the time for you to be needy, John, and to figure out with whom can you be needy. It might not be your group, but a leader who's willing to reveal, I don't have all the answers right now, I'm distraught, that can actually serve your group because it can make it okay that they don't have all the answers either, and none of us do. But maybe you need to take this outside of, of the group to your own, a little brief time of your own counseling, your own coaching. And we can certainly set you up with a coach to be able to go through the, the lamenting of this. Of course, you're worried about your grandson. And I just want to add to to Mark's suggestion You might praise your grandson for being honest about what he's going through. That takes so much courage to get that honest. Even if we disagree with his lifestyle choice, we don't think it's God's best for him, but he was honest. And then I would have you cautiously pray about if and when to bring up your stance and your belief. I would suspect it's not right now, but be open to God leading you. When should you restate your beliefs to your grandson? But I agree that for now, it's the reassurance of love that's the most important. And telling your grandson you accept him, it doesn't mean that you're endorsing, that you're co-signing, that you agree with a homosexual lifestyle. It doesn't mean that. It just means you accept him as a person and you love him. Okay. Well, that that helped a lot. I was just going to say, what does that sound like to you, John? Mm -hmm. That's that sounds like some good advice. Uh, I just needed to hear something like that. Okay. Well, we are going to be praying for you and praying for the situation. It's it's a challenge, but relationships um, are worth fighting for. Having those conversations with and. and really working through all of the feelings. Um, what book would you two suggest that we send John? How to Love Our Kids, because, John, it really guides us parents through how can we love our children when we disagree with them, and, and how do we clarify for ourselves what's acceptance versus agreement with what they're doing, and that this will help you have that kind of conversation with your grandson. There you go. We'll send it to you. And thanks for calling, John. It's really tough. It's it's really tough to have your own feelings going on when you're trying to stay in connection with somebody. And um, and it doesn't matter really what the situation is, right? It's relationships can be um, challenging, but they're worth the challenge to continue to stay connected. 
Uh, we're going to continue to stay connected to you. We're going to go to Rich, who's calling us from Albany, New York, listens on SiriusXM. Hello, Rich. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, I did call a couple times regarding this situation. Um, I called maybe two years ago and then a year ago about a woman that I was emotionally, I was supporting her emotionally. Her husband had Alzheimer's for a long time. Uh, we, we worked together, um, not full-time, but we worked part-time together. And um, the suggestion was to sever you know, all ties with her. And I wasn't able to do that emotionally. And then her husband uh, passed last summer. And since then, uh, I've had maybe one or two conversations briefly, if at all. And it's like I just, um, I'm feeling <clears throat> like I've just dropped completely from her life. And, um, mm. uh, you know, not, I am kind of a rescuer uh, in, in the uh, drama triangle. If you're familiar with that. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so, hey, I'm just feeling really sad that. I'm not needed by her at oh. all. Gosh, Rich, I remember your yeah. calls, and I remember, um, yeah. you know, having conversations. Alice, I think you were probably on I those calls so. with me. Yep, do you I remember, remember that? I do, Rich. Yeah, and I'm just, yeah. I'm sad. I, I, I hear the pain in your in your voice, and it, it is such a big loss because there was hope there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Alice, w- yeah. let's, let's help Rich in this mm-hmm. next kind of season. Rich, tell us what you're doing with the sadness of not being needed by her. Well, that's it's an interesting question because I just realized I was filling it by pursuing other women. Um, More fantasy than actual, you know, making any um, uh, you know uh, gestures or, or, you know, what am I looking for the right word? Doing anything materially or physically or, you know, um, practically speaking. So just kind of having the fantasy of being with, you know, other people because I'm not thinking about her or I'm not pursuing her anymore. So then just recognizing how I've been doing that as an avoidance. And also, besides her husband dying, I've been dealing with a lot of grief. A lot of people have died in the past year. Uh, maybe like I think I think I have like about a, close to a dozen people that I've known. Oh. Oh. Some really close. Some were, you know, some um, you know. One one was a tragically uh, person who was just stabbed to death by his brother-in-law mm. just like two weeks ago. I mean, someone mm. that I was in a group with. That's so I'm just kind of dealing with all that. Well, Rich, you can hear the music. We're going to go to a break and we'll come back and uh, offer you some help. That's really, it's so, that's a lot of pain all at once. And um, I think we can get you to some help, but we're glad that you called back. You know, it's it's hard to ask for help. You know, Alice, your topic at the top of the hour was really just insightful because we do carry a lot of pain and we experience pain. What do we do with it? And uh, you can do what Rich did and you can call us 1-800-229-3000. We're going to help him right after this. 
We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. I just want to remind you all that a new episode of Every Man's Battle podcast dropped today, as it does every Monday. And today, J.J. West will share part of his story, and you don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm. J.J. encourages so many men to live lives of integrity, and we want to get that to you. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts or connect it at newlife.com. Right now, we are talking with Rich, who has been through a really difficult season and is experiencing a lot of grief at the loss of um, a friend who he was supporting, as well as many other um, losses. Um, Mark, let's start with you. Um, how can we help Rich in this season? Yeah, well, I feel for you here, Rich, because um, you really sounds like you invested a lot of time um, and, and effort into this relationship, and, and, it, and uh, you built up an emotional connection with this woman uh, and it's then it's hard not to take this personally um, because it sounds like she's going through her own grief and, and sometimes when uh-huh. I, I find that someone whose spouse dies then they feel guilty about connecting with uh-huh. someone of the opposite sex but I don't know if that's really what's going on with her I think what's good for you is that you are noticing that you are somebody who rescues um, and you're and you're finding out how you're dealing with that with these other relationships, and so you know I think this is a really good jumping off point for you for therapy um, to get in with a counselor to start to explore this issue of why do you do this? Why do you rescue? Where does that come from? Why are you trying to distract in relationships um, with the opposite sex? And I'm wondering here, Rich. Because I see this, that people who t- tend to be rescuers are uh, were trained and conditioned that way growing up. They had to uh-huh. be the rescuer to somebody else, or they had to be the emotional uh-huh. support, uh, particularly to a parent. I wonder if you had to be a, an emotional uh-huh. support to your mom. Yeah, yeah well, absolutely. My mom, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that makes a lot of sense Correct. then why you want to rescue yeah. and then why you go to women um, to to try and rescue or, or deal with that need in you. Yeah. So, Rich, when you yeah. think about being this open with men who know you and care about you, what do you feel imagining sharing your loneliness with men? Um, well, I'm able to do I am in a men's group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a group that, of men that have been meeting for years. Um, it's a very structured group, and it... it um, well... Besides, just to, an aside. Um, besides going there, the other the other uh, thing that I do as part of rescue is um, finding younger women. I'm kind of you know they're like they're like my you know I'm like the father figure, and I rescue them and have these friendships and that's kind of, that's fulfilling on just one you know it, I can not a superficial level but just on one level. But um, it doesn't really fulfill me completely. But that's another pattern that I find that I, you know, women like half my age that I'll be like their their dad. Did you have a father figure, Rich? Uh, he was very absent emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there physically, but uh, he worked many many hours and doesn't didn't really share his uh, feelings with me. We kind of bonded so- with sports. You know. So, Rich, um, I'm curious about the answer to Mark's question about counseling. Have you ever done counseling around this issue? 
Uh, not specifically, no. Okay. Okay. Well, I think this is the perfect time mm-hmm. for that that mm-hmm. that relationship, and we can get you connected with someone who can help you process this. Because in both of those situations, whether you're rescuing, doesn't matter what the age is, um, being aware of your need to do that is what you're talking about, right, Mark? Yeah, uh, and, and trying to figure out where that ca- that came from, and and you know where where this comes from in you, this father figure type person that that you become to these people uh, who are half your age and and again i wonder if maybe some of that comes from a replaying of your childhood where you didn't have that father figure to come in and rescue you and so now you go ahead and do that for others rich i i I suspect you might keep your guard up a little bit with the men in your group and i'm delighted that you're regularly attending a group but i think you are not feeling valued by men who know you Mm. deeply not valued enough and so you find value in what you do for these women so i want you to go back to your group and make a confession to them even if this is a repeat that you're feeling lonely that you're spending time in fantasizing about women that you're not actually engaged with and I want you to ask these men, what do they value about you? How would it be to do that? Yeah. So that's, well, one of the men um, that I, you know, encouraged me to pursue a relationship with a man. I'm, I'm, I'm 74 years old, and, you know, these are like women in their, like, 40s, which is, which is a pretty big age difference, you know. And you know, so one so one of the men would say, "Well, why not? Why not pursue? You know, it more than just being you know the father figure." Well, I think you know the age difference and you know the the, the power of you know whatever that you know the power wow. differential mm-hmm. just from age. Well, so that's that's very bad advice. <laughs> you know. Well, so rich. What we'll do is we're going to connect you with a counselor, and I would love for you to do what Alice and Mark both have suggested, the counselor, but also to reveal, even though somebody in the group may give you bad advice, like you you feel like it is, it's still a process of even saying that. I don't feel comfortable with that advice. And that um, you continue, uh, and maybe we need to get you connected with a different group, too, that, you know, it could be a life recovery group. And... Um, you know, there's always hope to have some true connection with people, not just from a fixing and a saving, but really where you're known and you can know them. We're glad you called. We'll be right back. Today's podcast is brought to you by Club New Life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very, very difficult places. To find out more about Club New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.com, or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now, if you're new to us, we drop an episode every weekday. We would love it if you would rate or write a review, which helps more people discover help and hope and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible. Now, let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places. glad you joined us for New Life Live. To be a part of the program, call 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. Terry, I would love for you to, let's listen to one of those New Life moments. 
I'm Stephen Arterburn with the New Life Moment. In his book, The Treasure Principle, Randy Alcorn tells the story of his family's trip to Egypt. While driving through the hot and dusty streets of Cairo, they passed a graveyard for American missionaries and decided to go see it. One sun-scorched tombstone in particular caught their attention. At the top it read, William Borden, 1887 to 1913. What makes Borden so interesting is that he was a Yale graduate and the heir to great wealth. He gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars to missions and after only four months of ministry in Egypt, contracted spinal meningitis and died at age 25. At the bottom of William Borden's tombstone, it says, apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. For more insight on our perplexing Christian life and faith, visit newlife.com. I'm Stephen Arterburn, and thanks for listening to this New Life Moment. I love hearing from Steve, even though I know he is enjoying his sabbatical. But, you know, isn't that true? The perplexing Christian life that it, and the legacy that this man left mm-hmm. is pretty impactful. And I think about our own lives and the work that we have to do, um, you know, to pay it forward. But also, you know, what are people going to say about what we've done with the life that we've been given? But I, I just love hearing from Steve in those little bits of wisdom. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to go back to the calls, 1-800-229-3000. We're going to talk with Lenny, who's calling us from Cincinnati, listens on SiriusXM. Hello, Lenny. I'm glad you called. How can we help you today? Oh, I just got a, uh, an issue here that I'm trying to get resolved. Um, my wife is on uh, social media recently and, you know, the TikToks, Snapchats and all that. And all these notifications are coming in from different groups and men and stuff like that. And I'm, and I'm telling her, you need to get off of that because, you know, this is not good to get all these different messages. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. And don't put your picture out there because with artificial intelligence coming around now and all kind of crazy stuff is going to start happening. So the conversation got out of control. She got belligerent. We both got loud, and uh, I just feel that if she doesn't get off it, it's going to dissolve the marriage. Mm. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, mm, Gosh, Lenny, I feel for you. You know, uh, the great thing is Alice has just written a book about screen time, even though I know it's directed for kids. I've even learned from what you have written. Alice, how would you direct Lenny in this situation? Lenny, I'm going to get just a little more background information to then give you some solid advice. Uh, is this the first major rupture in your marriage, or does this build on some past problems you've been dealing with? Uh, this is uh, probably the first major one, but this is the second uh, blow-up uh, regarding social media. And as far as you know, has there been any um, emotional infidelity or full physical sexual infidelity on either your part or her part during your marriage? Uh, no. No, it hasn't. Not that I'm aware of. So I I, want to have you consider readdressing this problem with her, but by appealing to intimacy versus pointing out what you rightly know she should be doing. And I agree with you, to protect the marriage, what she's doing is putting it at risk. And so asking her to back away from social media, it's the right request. When we give a request in a humble, vulnerable way, it helps a person receive it better. So uh, you you rightly told her, hey, you need to get off this. This isn't good for us. But the words were, they ended up being inflammatory. 
and they led to argumentativeness. And I think she's pretty defensive about this. Lenny, well, if you, well, Lenny, I'm going to add one Lenny. other thing. I'm going to add something else, and I want it, then I want to hear from you about sure. it. If you okay. were to tell her, you know, I think I approached this wrong. I think I, I was kind of being a little controlling the last time. And I, I want to acknowledge I love you, and I honestly feel worried. I'm kind of missing you. I feel lonely with the engagement in social media, and I want us to reengage together, and I want to fix the way I handled it the last time. Can, can we talk about this again, but I want to be a better listener to you. How would your wife respond if you came in a gentle way like that? Well, I'm not sure because she's uh, she's really upset with me because she doesn't like for me to get loud. She doesn't like for me to talk loud, and I did, and she did. However, what happened, how, what brought this on yesterday was we were at a cousin, my cousin's birthday party, and we we're sitting at the table eating dinner, and her phone went off, and I, a couple times, and I seen an individual male name come mm-hmm. up, and I asked her about it, and she got mad and said, don't question me about uh, what comes across my phone, so she mm-hmm. turned the phone over where I couldn't see it. And I turned it back over so I could see it. So that's how it started. Mm -hmm. So I'm not real sure how she's going to handle me coming at her in a different way, uh, in a humble way. But uh, I I guess it's a start. Lenny, we've been married over we've been married over 43 years. Okay. Yeah. And uh, social media is is interrupting the marriage. Because I I know a lot of people that are on it. I know the things that they see and the things that they do. And I'm like, uh-uh, <laughs> I'm not doing that. And I don't want my family involved. Yeah, Lenny, I think you've got a right to be concerned here. Um, uh, because I think the, these behaviors, they, they do elicit an element of suspicion. Um I'm with Alice, though, with, in in terms of the approach to take to to start with an apology of the way that you approach the situation. You're not apologizing for approaching the situation, but for the way that you approach the situation. And then I would say go to vulnerability and say and and say something along the lines of that I f- I'm feeling unsafe in our relationship. Um, when you're on the phone, I feel disconnected from you. And, and it makes me feel concerned to know that you're connecting with other men um, and I want to flip the situation a little bit to see if you can find some empathy for what I'm feeling. If I were to be doing this, how do you think it might make you feel if other women were messaging me and I wanted to keep you away from seeing what those messages were? Mm-hmm. Have you tried that approach? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I just, you know, explained to her that... Uh, I don't think it's right uh, that you get messages from different individuals, but her her explanation is that when you're on TikTok or Snapchat, it's it's a group setting, and so when one message goes out, it goes out to everybody. And I'm telling her, regardless of that, you know, it's still coming from a male individual, and you need to stop it now. I, I don't think you're wrong, but notice the difference. Um in the approach that that you're stating that you're using and that Alice and I are suggesting, you, you're going to her and saying, I don't think it's right. Versus mm-hmm. what we're talking about is going to her and starting with how it's making you feel. You're feeling disconnected. Mm-hmm. You're feeling unsafe. You're feeling vulnerable. 
So you're making that this about you now, and not about how bad she is. You're making it about mm-hmm. how bad it's making you feel. When, when so I have, a, I have a question. Oh wait, Alice, I have a question yeah. for Lenny. Lenny, how other? How do you connect with your wife? You guys have been married 43 years. That's pretty amazing in and of itself. I imagine probably have children. You guys have kids. Yes, we have two daughters. They're okay. Grown, and, married. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so when you think about the best way that you connect with your wife, what what does that describe? Um, we we uh, we have pretty nice conversations. Uh, we talk about vacations and what we're going to have for dinner and who's going to cook and which I'm the best cook in the house, but (laughs) we don't don't really have uh, uh, an awkward way of approaching each other. However, we both work, and when I come in, seems like most of the time when I come in, you know, I want to sit and watch the news, and when I say something to her, She's on social media and she doesn't hear me, and that kind of okay. that kind of makes me feel left out. Okay, see, that's why I was asking because there's this this is a bigger issue. Yes, the social media issue is it, but when couples have a difficult time really connecting, we have a hard time hearing each other too. Now you can talk, Alice. I keep interrupting you. <laughs> well, Lenny, our digital behavior is usually a surface level uh, revealing of a deeper problem because a lot of us escape into our screens because something about our life is uncomfortable and we find comfort we find distraction on screen so i want you to consider something and i hope you can see a little truth in this when you're scared and you feel left out you get a little rough in your delivery you're right about your concern but in that roughness your wife shuts down or she gets angry with you and she can't hear it from you do you see some truth there lenny Yes, uh, I, uh, I, I, uh, I'm very uh, strong-willed, and I can get very loud and dominant, and so uh, I try to tone it down a lot. But that, that Lenny, that humble, yesterday. that humble confession is exactly what your wife needs to yes. hear from you without blaming her for your loudness. Yeah, hold on for just a second, Lenny. We'll be right back after this break. We're taking calls. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can listen. I know some of you are listening on podcast and online, and we got some great radio listeners all across the country, and we're so grateful for all of you. If you have a call or a question for us, call us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 1-800-229-3000. We're going to take calls for the next hour, so you you know, if you're on hold, hold on, we'll get to you. Um, but you, you still have time to call, and let's talk about the big challenge, the little challenge, and everything in between. So we're going to go back to Lenny, and um, Lenny, we're so proud of you for calling, first of all. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that you, this you. is a concern and that you're reaching out for help. So good job. And I just want to reiterate what Mark and Alice already have said. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. 
But Alice, let's talk about delivery just one more time and we'll give him some steps uh, to go back to. Well, this is what Steve and I also recommend in our book, Understanding and Loving Your Child in a Screen-Saturated World. Our family members are going on screen to oftentimes to escape something in their reality. And so, Lenny, when we take a humble approach to say, I'm an imperfect husband, I'm an imperfect parent, and I I realize I got to clean up my side of the street. So I just want to talk about my side of the street. I get loud and that's upsetting to you. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about how me being loud affects you? I want to be a listener to you. It's this biblical principle, Lenny, of when we take the beam out of our own eye first, it makes it safer for the other person to be willing to look at that speck in theirs. So if you go after her digital behavior, I think it's going to keep erupting into a fight. But if you go after your own behavior and you say even, hey, let's get some outside help for my anger and how loud I get. And because I want us to be better connected than we are. Would you come in to some coaching, to some counseling with me? But make it about your problem, which is genuinely an issue that you can admit. And that will then lay the groundwork for it to be more likely for her to be willing to look at herself. Okay. So, uh, but the bottom line is, have this approach, but you don't think that, uh, that, that she should get off of social media or... Oh, that would be her decision after this Len- discussion. Lenny, we find that uh, a lot of marriages, they cannot sustain a person being on social media because the bond is too fragile. And so you two mm-hmm. will figure out together, I think through a, a coach, through a counselor, what level of activity online is sustainable for your marriage. And so for some marriages, no, we just don't have social media at all. For others, well, I think for all marriages, we have to have full access to each other's phones. If yes. we're hiding it and flipping mm-hmm. the phone over, that, that's going to do damage to the marriage long term. That will not work. Mm-hmm. So it has to be right. an agreed upon level of social activity that works for your marriage. Right. Okay. All right. Well, we're okay. so grateful that you called. I would encourage you, maybe you join us at uh, the Intimacy and Marriage uh, Intensive. We're going to have, uh, it would be a great getaway for the two of you. Yes, even after 43 years, there are things that you can do they to sure reconnect and make it strong and um, finish strong, really. We're glad you called, Lenny. We'll be praying for this situation. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to Laura, who's calling us from Los Angeles, listens on the podcast. Hello, Laura. We're so glad you called. How can we help you today? Hi. Um, my question embarrasses me because I'm 53 years old and I still don't have this together. Um, I I don't... All right. Um, I, I need to get up early for, for, for my sake. Um, but I, I get up and I turn off the clock and I go back to sleep. It's a... I, I know I have to do what I have to do, but since I don't, since I don't have to leave anywhere right away, I, I, I tend to take that time for granted and just go back to sleep. And I was wondering if you guys have any suggestions, I'm ready to write them down as many as you could come up with. That would be highly appreciated. Laura, I'm so proud of you. It's hard to ask embarrassing questions. And girl, there are areas of my life I don't have together yet either. And I'm going to be saying that till the day I die because we're all a work in progress. <laughs> Does not getting up early enough um, have a significant impact on work or some responsibility you have to attend to? Yes. Um, if I don't get into the habit of waking up early enough, 
I will miss my doctor's appointments, and then I have to wait longer. There was one doctor who just made made herself not available for two two times in a row because I did not go to to my appointment two times in a row. So it felt like this was um, kind of a payback because I didn't go L- to my appointment. Laura, what are your work cancel. what are your work hours? Um I work from three PM to uh, 11.30 p.m. Oh, wow. And have you been doing that for a while? Yes, over a year. Okay. And it, and, and is this what, is this how long this problem's been going on? It's been going on for a longer time than that? Much longer than okay. that. Well, I'm just looking at the, the, the hours that you work. That in itself, a lot of times when people finish work late, their brain is still stimulated and they can have a hard time going back to sleep. And I also find that in general people are usually early morning risers or 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 uh they and and those folks go to bed earlier or they tend to you know your your average just sleep cycle tends to be that you stay up later i'm one of those folks who just and uh, tends to stay up later but i wonder about what your quality of sleep is having um do you f- is that interrupted or do you get good sleep i i get good sleep okay well, so, we only have a couple minutes left, so let's get her. Let's get her a list of things. Remember, I, Alice, that's what she's got her pencil ready. I do. I think there are three areas to look into because although it's a simple question, the answer might be complex. Laura, you're already trying to get to the doctors, and and you you need to bring this issue to your doctors mm-hmm. because it could be medically based. But I don't doubt there's also a psychological root to it. And so as you think back to you know childhood and how disciplined were your parents, how did they do helping teach you self-discipline? And in what areas of your life were you good at it? Where do you fall short in addition to not getting up early enough? There could be some psychological complexity to this. And the third is, if, it's a, if it is a disciplinary problem within yourself, the way that we get help is by bringing grace in through other people who help hold us accountable. So we tell we tell a buddy, hey, I need help on this. I need you to call me at this hour because my alarm clock's not doing it. And I want you to keep calling me till I wake up. Or you just set that commitment. I'm going to get up and I'm going to call you when I do. And I'm going to tell you that I have arisen now. We need help from outside to help us get over this obstacle that we cannot get through on our own. But check out all three areas. Yeah, I, I would say uh, to add to that is you might need to give yourself a negative consequence. If I don't yeah. get up in time, I don't get to watch my favorite TV mm-hmm. show or I don't get this certain reward. And, and what I would say, too, is get uh, try and establish a routine that does wake you up where you immediately get into the shower or something like that, something that typically would stop you from going back into that sleep mm-hmm. cycle. Um, but that's where I was going before. If you, if you didn't feel like you were getting good quality of sleep, sometimes it is a medical issue and we need to do a sleep study. Right. And I was thinking the same thing, but it also is that complete assessment, right, Mark? It's mm-hmm. not just sleep. It's your physical health. Yeah. It's all of those things. And I just want to add this thing about the doctor missing the appointments. Um, Laura, it's not punitive. It's a consequence. And so the the narrative that you have in your mind right now is that you feel bad about yourself because of this and you feel shame calling. So then when you when you don't 
get in with the doctor because you were late. It feels punitive, but it's just a consequence. And so when you address these other things, you're going to find freedom and the ability to move forward in your life. We can get you connected with a counselor as well. We'll send you a copy of Take Your Life Back. That may be helpful. We're glad that you called, Laura. Thank you, listeners. We're going to continue taking your calls. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Alice. 1-800-229-3000. We're here for you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, we have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to newlife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.